Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty sophisticated, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Jonah, I was thinking about the time that we went to South by Southwest. Yeah. Well, I had been a few times when I worked for Ultimate right. Press. Right, of course. I had gone down there for work, but then my band played it a few times. Different bands I was in played it a few times. And I think you were down there one year for the Trainwreck premiere? For the Trainwreck premiere, yes. Yeah. And I think United Nations was playing a few shows as well. Yeah. And... The first half of South by Southwest was kind of film-themed, and the second half was more music-themed. And so we overlapped right. kind of in that middle part, and we got to hang out. And I guess I got a certificate for free. I think it was Vans. I think there was like oh, a Vans right, house. right, 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 right. And we went there, and my friend Dylan was working there. And so we got a bunch of free socks. Right. Some shoes. Yeah, and there's a photo. I don't know what year it was, but there's a photo in this book mom and dad had of, of me on the shoulders of one of the members of Limbeck and then another member of Limbeck on the shoulders of someone else. And I don't think we were fighting. I think it was more like we were... Having a fun photo shoot. Just having a fun blast in the sun. But yeah, I went to like a diesel fitting room with them. We did all this stuff. My bands never did this, but like I was kind of like hanging on their coattails. I remember one year hanging out with them. And and this is kind of related to our guest today, but I do have this photo somewhere. We'll have to show it to our guest today. Yes, we'll have to show it. Should I just introduce her? Yeah, just introduce her. (laughs) Our guest today is a singer-songwriter, a volunteer with Songs for Kids, a new mom, and last but not least, a friend of mine. Please welcome Rachel Cantu. Oh, thanks. Hi, y'all. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? Rachel, thanks for being here. (laughs) It's going pretty good. I'm very happy to be here. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Rachel! This is very exciting. That's embarrassing in a good way. We're blushing. It's so insanely in my wheelhouse with us being the same age and having very similar nostalgic memories. And then also Jonah with band stuff and the crossover is 
Wild. It's wild. Vanessa had said you had seen me in like a Limbeck shirt or something. Yeah. And were surprised by this because maybe not a band everyone knows about. Exactly. Unfortunately. Very unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And usually the guests that we have on here that are more musical are Jonah's friends. And the guests that are more comedy are my friends. But this is what we call a classic switcheroo because Rachel is my friend, but happens to, (laughs) sorry, not that you guys can't become friends. I hope you do become (laughs) friends today, but listens to our podcast and like every week we'll be like, oh my God, I know this guy that Jonah's friends with. I know this t-shirt that Jonah's wearing. And that's what I call pretty wild stuff. I'm like a real creeper. I'm just constantly texting you like a picture (laughs) of me and that person you talked about. It's crazy. Sometimes even if I've only played one show with them. It's pretty (laughs) crazy. So yeah, the Limbeck Band. Rachel, did you say you grew up with them? I did. I grew up in Orange County. I was just looking at pictures of Rob and I at Christian Camp. Wow. Whoa. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Yeah, we didn't go to the same school, but we hung out all the time. And our bands played together. I sang on three of their records. We used to do like demos on four tracks together. And some of those songs made it onto Limbeck CDs. And yeah, it's just a wild time. So what kind of scene were you Were you in like, because I know they kind of started out being kind of like less maybe Americani, more of like a punk band. Were you in that sort of more punk scene? Or what was your vibe like when you were growing up? Yeah, it was definitely, it was like punk early emo, okay. which definitely cuts off for me at a certain point when people start calling certain bands emo. I'm just like, there's a cutoff for me. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I grew up listening to, I describe me as listening to musical theater and punk rock. Okay. Yes. So it's like those things that combine and kind of like crossed over. Junior high, it was like definitely punk. High school, punk and early emo more like early Jimmy Eat World, Promise Ring, Mineral, uh, you know, like the scrappier stuff. A lucky Denver mint. Even earlier than that, I'd okay. say. Okay. Okay. That's, Sorry. that's Sorry, as far back as I go. <laughs> We're talking like static prevails here, Vanessa. Yeah. Like paying to see them for $5 kind of thing. Yeah. So that was me. It was a funny cross of musical theater and punk rock. We just had Justin Pierre on the podcast and we were talking about American Apparel track jackets a lot. Yeah. Don't you feel like that was really like kind of part of the the outfit back then? I feel like every band sold those like jacket and I don't think people really wear them anymore or sell them as merch. I just think about them a lot. I don't remember the track jackets, but I do remember just using that for merch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just in general. Right. Track jackets make me think of, there was also a huge hardcore, like straight edge hardcore contingency that I don't know why I just left that out. That was such a huge part of my high school days. For some reason that makes me think of Orange County hardcore. Oh yeah. Well, I was straight edge in high school and, uh, <laughs> and I wore Jinkos and I was all in from probably, I don't know, 17 to like 22 or something. I don't what know. What a funny time. What a funny time. Oh my God. Were you wearing a ton of Jinkos too, Rachel? No. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I didn't even know what those were really. I guess that's what the guys were wearing. It might have been different on the West Coast, like, because right. it's hotter. I mean, mm-hmm. they might have, I feel like I associate West Coast, like, with, like, more, like, board shorts or, like, even in that scene, like, like more shorts, I guess. We couldn't really wear shorts. <laughs> That's a it good was point. It was more Dickies and maybe Ben Davis. Yeah. Because we had yeah. a lot of, like, Mexican culture, too, which is Ben Davis. Right. And, and Dickies, yeah. Do you know that another way that Rachel and I currently still express ourselves is by looking kind of alike? <laughs> and Rachel was listening to our episode with Gabe and saying she gets the same 
people that she looks like that I get, which are Chelsea Clinton uh-huh. <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver. No, no, no. Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. You don't get Sigourney Weaver? I don't get Sigourney. What a... And again, I'll say for both of us, I see Molly Ringwald the most. I don't see Chelsea Clinton and I don't see Sigourney Weaver, but I, and again, you don't get Sigourney Weaver. Is there anyone else that I left out that, that we don't overlap with? Like I have Sigourney Weaver to myself. Is there anyone you have to yourself? I get Natasha Leone every once in a while. Interesting. I never get that. And I I never get that. Even though I think Jonah, she looks so much like our cousin Jody. It's not that they look exactly alike. It's that they look like they could be sisters. Do you agree, Jonah? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I got, you look like sideways era Paul Giamatti. (laughs) 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 When I was like 25 years old. And I was like, cool, thank you. Not what I'm going for. But a great actor. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but not what I'm going for. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Rachel and I both have kind of a sunny disposition. And I think that's what makes us the most alike. It's the brightness. It's the aura. It's the brightness. Yeah. We've both got a brightness. Sorry to brag. (laughs) A cocky brightness. So Rachel, like what other stuff were you into when you were kind of like growing up? You're going to shows of Chain Reaction. You're like hanging out. What other stuff were you kind of into? I mean, we played Chain Reaction. So much. I love Chain Reaction. I grew up going to, it started with hardcore Christian bands. Whoa, like under oath, they, maybe they weren't around yet. Were they Christian band? Yeah, I told them about my bat mitzvah once and they did not know what I was talking about. <laughs> I think they were a little later. I think they were more like early 2000s. I honestly don't remember any of the names. I just remember that I was allowed to go because it was at church. Okay. So... And then, like, MXPX would play at our church, and that was, like, super cool. Sure. But I wasn't a huge fan, but it was, a like, it was my gateway into shows. And Sex Pistols, Bikini Kill. I even made a Sex Pistols leather embossed bracelet at Christian camp. Wow. Like, when I was in middle school. And I think about it now, I was, like, a good kid. You know, like, I'm doing air quotes. And... Just the fact that I did that and didn't even think twice that it said the word sex in it. Yeah. Right, right. I'm like, I'm such a naive kid, but like such a fan of that band that I, nobody called me on it. Nobody looked at it. My parents, I think, saw it once maybe written on a cassette tape and were, were like, what the heck, you know, but didn't stop me from listening to it. Good on them. Did you have like a bad kid phase at all like I feel like Vanessa was always a really got good grades I feel like I kind of veered off from that a little like I got okay grades but I would like cut school or like hang out with kids smoking cigarettes in the woods or like did you go through that at all were you pretty on track you know what I was pretty on track but I got to experience the bad kid stuff because I would hang out with them okay and oddly enough it was the straight edge kids who were like the bad kids yeah. The strangest kids are bad and like, oh, they're probably like really into like pranks and stuff. Yes. I feel like you have to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like what kind of pranks? Okay, so we would spend a lot of time at Disneyland, oddly. Like that was our hangout. It would go in the summer. Everyone would have a pass. It's $100 back then. Or you'd go and you do a stamp and you, you know, transfer it to your friend's hand and get in for free. But they would get wheelchairs just such brats. Like, we get wheelchairs from the place saying that they twisted their ankle or something. So then we'd be wheeling our friend around in a wheelchair. And you could also go to the front of the line if you had a wheelchair back then. It was just kind of like free reign. Yeah. And so they would do shit like push our friend off of the curb. Like, just let go of the wheelchair. And then he would fall into the middle of, you know, Main Street 
And then people would crowd around and he would be like, I lost my contact. I lost my... So they think this kid who's in a wheelchair lost his contact and everybody's on the ground looking for the contacts and just like stupid stuff like that. And then later on, I know that some kids got in trouble where they went to jail, but I think I had moved away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was like, it turned into like a gang where you're like, yeah. Yeah, but sounds like it started as like a proto-jackass almost. Yes. Yeah. Because what else can he do? <laughs> right. Were you pulling tons of pranks too, Jonah? Can you think of a good <laughs> prank you pulled? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I know there are like senior pranks at our high school. I never really got into pranks. That's just where my mind went because I've known a lot of people in that scene. And it's just, I feel like a lot of them can be very serious, but they can a lot of them can also be very silly. And I think especially at that age, you know, they can be serious, you know. Jenna, were you familiar with Coos Cafe? Did you ever? I never went there, but I'm familiar with I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I went to Chain Reaction. Like, I, I did a semester of college. I lived in L.A. when I was 20. I turned 21 out there. So this was like 2000, 2001. And, I, you know, I'd go see, like, at the drive-in in the Murder City Devils at, like, the Glass House or something. You know, yeah. a lot of those kinds of shows. Awesome. Yeah. So the Coos, Chain Reaction. The Glass House, those were all of our haunts. But, you know, we got to open for like Saves the Day and the Get Up Kids and, you know, all the bands that we really admired. My favorite story is that we opened for the Get Up Kids in San Diego at Che Cafe. Okay. And our lead guitarist that we were so excited about, he was kind of a new lead guitarist in our band. Our band was called Quite Satellite. Okay. And I was the singer and we were just, you know, little scrappy high school kids. And his mom wouldn't let him go to the show because it was a school night Mm. and it was like one of those things that you can't explain to somebody's mom like it's the get up kids right you don't understand we still played the show it was i'm sure we were terrible but (laughs) yeah i mean the struggle of like as a kid going to shows on a school night i remember having these like complex negotiations with my parents about it and you'd go and then you'd get home and like your clothes would smell like cigarettes because everyone could smoke inside yeah and i remember the one show that i really blew it I don't know if you've ever heard of this band, DFL. They're on Epitaph. Are they a punk band? They were a punk band. They were produced by, I think, one of the Beastie Boys produced it. They played in Cleveland. It was a school night. They played the small club show, Peabody's Down Under. I went, and they were opening, and I really li- I really liked them. So I saw them, and then I left, and the headlining band was Sublime. Oh, no. Like, Sublime, pl- <laughs> when Bradley Noe was still alive, and like playing like a club that holds like, maybe 150 people or something. And, you know, I had to be home by curfew. Totally, totally blew it. Did you miss someone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We left right before they played. <laughs> I'd never heard of them. You were respecting mom and dad. I think that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think you're the only person in the universe that think that was the right decision. I would get away with going to shows because I would just tell my parents every show was a Christian show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So smart. Johnny, you could have been like, they're a Jewish band. <laughs> And Rachel, weren't you saying too, you like saw Tegan and Sarah at something and you were like, they're pretty good. Like before they were doing anything and right. Did I didn't see them. I, okay. do you remember message boards? Like, yes. oh yeah. Like that's how I heard of them. Okay. Both of us were like the same age. So we were teenagers. And so there was this band of, you know, twin sisters and it just blew my mind. I, I just heard like a MP3, you know, on a message board. And then I thought to myself, that'd be cool if I played with them one day and then just never thought of it again. And then I ended up, Emmy does all their illustrations, all their artwork, everything. She had done a poster that I really liked up to there. So I reached out to her to do some artwork for my EP 
and she showed them my EP without me knowing. And then they asked me to go on tour with them. Oh my Incredible. God. And, that's, and that was 2003. I mean, so kind. What? Who does that? They do that. Well, you're all very talented and you needed to be doing a show together as a talented trio. <laughs> Rachel, what message boards were you hitting up? Were you like posting stuff or were you more just like reading the message board, getting the latest info? What was kind of your your vibe? I guess I was just reading them. I don't even remember. How did we find them? Where were message boards? Who knows, right? It's hard to... Because I know we were like, it it mixed in with Napster. Yeah. Right. It was like crossover, right? I know uh, Revelation Records in California, they had like a message board. I know there were like some labels would have like almost like a message board. But yeah, I don't know how how you found them, but I feel like there I feel like there weren't that many. No, right? Like, yeah, it's so weird to think about. I have no idea how I found. I just call it message boards. Yeah, but I don't know what they were, what they were called, what you know. It's kind of like texting really slow with people yeah. you don't know or something. <laughs> I'm trying to explain it to people like who are younger, who are like, huh. <laughs> Uh, Shauna, don't impersonate them that way. (laughs) Can I get, does it come with oat milk? It's like, no, it's something on the internet. Right, right. Is it (laughs) gluten-free? Right. (laughs) Okay. your impression (laughs) of a young person is asking if something's gluten-free? I think that's almost like five years ago or 10 years ago. Right, right, right. It's more like, okay, let me think, let me think. Okay. And Rachel, if you have any ideas, feel free to pitch. You want to alienate. No. Yeah. (laughs) But I I do want to say to bring Vanessa into this, I know I feel like I'm just like talking about music with Jonah, but I also grew up on a lot of um, the Lilith Fair stuff. Like Tori Amos was one of my favorites. Yes. And that's, she's kind of, she's the reason why I sing is because me and two other friends. I never did any musical theater or choir or anything in high school. I was in a band, you know, but before that, I was a friend of mine could play Tori Amos by ear wow. on the piano. And so we would do three part harmonies oh my God. to Tori Amos songs. And so, you know, that was a huge part of my life. Jewel, Lilith Fair. Yeah, I was so. What would you say is your favorite Tori Amos, either a song or album? Album, well, I started with Boys for Pele. Okay. I know that's not the first, her first album, but... Under the Pink was my first CD of all time when I got, a, I think, a seven CD changer. Yeah. So it was like around the time, like Bjork, yeah. Tori Amos, Cheryl Crow. Actually, Cheryl, I didn't get into it later, until later. She takes longer to like build a respect because she's, I think she's a little more Americana and it wasn't yes. really my... Yes, for sure. wasn't my for jam sure. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin. But would you say your favorite Tremos song is Cornflake Girl or what? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't. Yes, Vanessa. Okay. I'm just say Me yes. too. <laughs> oh my God. Another similarity. There's a lot of good ones, but I just love Cornflake Girl. And yeah, I know it was the one that was the most played on the radio, but still have some respect. Are those cornflakes gluten free? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> okay. I guess with that, we'll go to our first commercial break. <laughs> That incredible callback by Jonah. (laughs) And we'll be right back with Rachel Cantu. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Okay, so Rachel, we were really excited about your topic today. Jonah, would you like to get into it? I would love to get into it because this is such a great idea for a topic. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. Yes. And it is movie soundtracks, which <laughs> obviously, you know, this is kind of a music-themed episode in some ways. Movie soundtracks, such a quintessential part of growing up in the 80s and 90s. And I would say, you millennials and Gen Zers okay. out there, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you, but I'm saying, like, it's hard to explain why these were so culturally important and, like, how much... I think I can't imagine, like... Avatar coming out and someone being like, oh, it's got all these songs on it that are together by completely different artists that they wrote, (laughs) especially for the movie. And it's going to be like played everywhere. Like, I don't think movie soundtracks really have the same weight that they did. And and Rachel, why did you pick this topic? What are some of your faves? I picked this topic. Why did I pick this topic? I mean, as you said, it's just so such a huge part of my memory, starting from Disney soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, it started right. Started with that. It started with like Aladdin, The Lion King, Little Mermaid. Right. Stuff like that. And into, I think the biggest impact was when like Clueless came out. It was Clueless. Right. Empire Records. Yes, huge. Romeo and Juliet. Oh my God, that's such a big one. I can't believe I didn't do a ton of research on that one. I. <laughs> Was so into that one. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, to be clear. Great Expectations. Um, there's a lot. And then there's like a few that have a song that I st- like The Crow. Like there's like one or two songs off of that. Yet right. I think of The Crow soundtrack as like, oh my gosh, like it's in my heart. It's in my soul. And I was looking at it and I'm like, I kind of only listen to two of the songs. Off of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could skip around. Yeah, exactly. And then there's certain soundtracks where... 
Tori Amos wrote one for, what did she write it for? It might have been for Great Expectations. Right. Like certain songs that you think are on other albums of theirs, but are actually just on the soundtrack. Yep. Right. Alanis Morissette, Uninvited, was on City of Angels. Oh, right. And again, my brain goes, it's on her one of her albums, but no, it's not. The other thing that was so crazy about soundtracks is not all of the songs in the movie would necessarily be in them. And then there would be some songs on them that you'd be like, is this in the movie? I've realized that there are certain bands that are on a lot of soundtracks and there's never your favorite song off of Goo Goo Dolls have got to be one of those. Uh I bet Goo Goo Dolls are in so many movie soundtracks and it's the song that you kind of go, and this is no burn to Goo Goo Dolls, but it's the song (laughs) They did have the classic one though, City of Angels. What's the Goo Goo Dolls City of Angels? It's... Is it Iris? Am I making this up? Iris. Is that what it's called? That's one of their hits. That's one of their hits. I feel like it's the one that's like, and I don't want the world to see... Is that Iris? That's got to be City of Angels, which honestly, I don't even know the premise of it, except probably takes place in LA. I think you could do a lot worse than that song, honestly. No, I think that's a good song. I'm just saying... There's a lot of cracker. Yeah. On soundtracks. A lot of cracker. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a better example. (laughs) One of the ones that you mentioned that I just got to go straight to is Empire Records. I was so into that movie. Jonah... I believe, I don't know if you remember this, but do you know how I first watched that movie? How you watched it? Yeah, how I first saw it. I I don't know. You were friends with this girl who went to Medina or something. She went to like a neighboring school. Okay. And I was in the hospital and I had just gotten sick and she lent you or gave you for me the VHS tape and I watched it in the hospital and it made me want to shave my head because I was losing my hair already. Isn't that sweet? Oh, wow. Incredible. And I saw that scene with the girl shaving her head. And this is not like the intended purpose of that scene. It's supposed to be that like this girl's going through a hard time. But I was like, I got to shave my... It made me excited to shave my head when I was sick. Robin, That's really sweet. So nice. Yep. And then all my friends got so into that movie and that we would watch it all the time. And that album was so incredible. I was just doing some research on it. There's some really fun facts and crazy facts about that album. Do you want to hear some of them? For starters, you know, we've got Cracker on the soundtrack, Rachel, as you. (laughs) I am not surprised. We got the song A Whole Lot of Trouble by Cracker, which that might have been one of the skits. I will also say this. When I was joining, I was kind of pressured to join Raya with some friends. Now it's probably been almost 10 years ago. And the only album that I had downloaded on my phone was Empire Records. And so that's the song that plays under my Raya profile. This Cracker song? This Cracker song. And it starts with the words, and I never intended this, and I've got to update that profile. But it starts with the words, there's no happy ever after. So I wonder if that's why I haven't gotten as many hits. Because, like, who, who is, like, a Cracker fan? Yeah, they're an interesting is a band, fan? but you don't really hear... They seem like you go to a show and they're opening. Right. Like, for someone you're interested in. I got to say this, okay? Speaking of fans that are kind of filler, no offense, I, I really kind of take back what I said about Goo Goo Dolls because they have some pretty epic hits, okay? <laughs> yes. Plus, they had those t-shirts if you'd go to their... <laughs> I remember Joey Friedlander had one. If you'd go to their concert in, like, the early 90s, you get it out of there, you have a t-shirt on the back and the top of the t-shirt says goo (laughs) (laughs) and this is a cool tea okay anyways i went to a concert once jenna who's a wonderful stage manager at snl she is married to robin the lead singer of gin blossoms and so she got us into a gin blossoms concert 
I think I went with my friend, Julie. Now, I want you guys to play this game that I've given to other people, which is guess the order of these bands, okay? <laughs> Gin Blossoms, Marcy Playground, Everclear, Sugar Ray. What order do you think they played in? I mean, Marcy Playground, I feel like has to be first because they literally only had one hit song. You're correct. Rachel, who do you think is next? Can I go headliner? Headliner. Say headliner. Sugar Ray. Jonah, what's your guess? I was thinking either Sugar Ray or Everclear. I'm going to go with Everclear. Okay, this is the order that they played in. Marcy Playground, Gin Blossoms. (laughs) Just think for a second. They were second. Gin Blossoms, to me, I'm going to say it right here. I think one of maybe the best bands of all time. Okay, or at least a really good. Okay, maybe not one of the best bands of all time. Really good band. Okay, <laughs> then Sugar Ray, then Everclear. Yeah, Everclear headline. Wow. Let me say this. Okay, this is what I would guess it would be. Okay, well, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Okay, we saw Gin Blossoms. That's the reason we went. They were incredible. A lot of throwbacks. You would know more songs than you think you do. Yeah, and then Sugar Ray starts playing, and I go. This is literally music that would come on in the car when I was growing up. And I'd be like, I guess I'll listen to it because I have nothing else to do because I'm in a car. (laughs) But cannot imagine the person who goes. And I'm sorry, because I feel like they're going to hear this probably because of popularity of the podcast and all that kind of things. But it's the kind of music. I'm so sorry to shit on them so hard. But like, I can't imagine anyone being like, did you see Sugar Ray's coming to town? Or like being like, oh, I got to get the new Sugar Ray CD. It's literally like the kind of music that you listen to like while you're doing laundry because it comes on the radio. I find their music to be so not exciting. I've probably gone a step too far. Really try not to be mean. I was going to say say more, but... I think it's okay, Vanessa. Try not to be mean on this podcast. And by the way, Everclear probably... I can't even think of what one of their songs is. Everclear is pretty... I bought Everclear's first record, Sparkle and Fade, I think at Record Revolution. Everclear's first album is very good. What's a big song of Everclear's? What's it called? They had that Father of Mine song. This is very Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Poslerm is Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. They, I think they were on there too. Were they? It's definitely possible. Definitely possible. But okay, so you you're you're kind of defending them. I'm defending Everclear. I'm not defending Sugar Ray. Just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of surprised you're defending Everclear because I didn't know you were such I'm an Everclear their stand. Record. Their first record. Okay. Their first record was kind of noisy and kind of heavy, and, and it was an interesting record. Okay. I listed some soundtracks too, Rachel. I don't know. This might be one you weren't as into. The Last Action Hero. Do you remember that soundtrack? It was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? No. I looked this up because it's a. <laughs> No, tell me. Tell me about it. Where they like combined a lot of like Seattle grunge with like rap? No. So you're thinking of the Judgment Night soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Another one I had never heard of. (laughs) Well, the Judgment Night soundtrack is like, I feel like was an incredibly iconic soundtrack. And there's a lot of the same artists. Like like the... Last Action Hero has ACDC. Okay. Allison Chains, Anthrax, Aerosmith, Cypress Hill, Fishbone. The Judgment Night one was, yeah, a lot of hip-hop and, like, metal bands coming together. Do you remember the movie? It was, like, with Dennis Leary, I think, and he, like, they crash a bus somewhere in this, like, and it's, like, an action movie. They're trying to, like, it's, like, a ridiculous movie. Judgment Night? Yeah. I'm realizing I definitely, like, I know the soundtracks if, only if I was, like, obsessed with the movie. Okay. So I don't think I had watched those. You gotta hear some, some of the pair-ups on this, on this album. One song, real thing. Last song, Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill. Yeah. 
You got Missing Link, Dinosaur Jr. and Del the Funky, Homo Sapien. You got <laughs> Freak Mama with Mud Honey and Sir Mix-a-Lot. You got a song with Sonic Youth and Cypress Hill, Faith No More and Booyah Tribe, Slayer and Ice-T, Biohazard and Onyx, Living Color and Run DMC, Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul, and Helmet and House of Pain. I got to download this soundtrack. I think I do remember this crossover. Yeah. I think there was one song, I think, that I really loved. I don't remember what it was, but, but I do remember them doing that. That came out in 1993. I don't really remember it. That sounds like an iconic soundtrack. And I guess just to go back to Empire Records for a second, (laughs) (laughs) I remember better. Remember how that song Sugar High was on the soundtrack, but also in the movie Renee Zellweger singing it? Yes. And it's not on the soundtrack. Did you know that? Her singing. Her singing is not on the soundtrack. Exactly. I was reading about it. No. And I guess the movie really didn't want it on the soundtrack at all. So even the version that's on this actual soundtrack is like not like a mastered version. But either way, I just wanted to say this. So it's by Coyote Shivers. And the Coyote that Shivers. guy at the time was married to Liv Tyler's mom. What? So it was like at the time of that movie, this guy is essentially Liv Tyler's stepdad. Wow. The guy who played that character, whose name in the movie was, I can't remember. <laughs> but that guy who's like singing with Renee Zellweger, who sings on the album. What? And he's like a character in Empire Records. And then like, apparently there were like two of the characters were like roommates. Like there was a lot of the cast like knew each other, but like didn't want the casting director to know. It's very weird. But... I loved that soundtrack so much and I loved that movie. And I've told Jonah this before, fully thought that Guar was made up for <laughs> the movie. Didn't realize they're a real band. And a documentary on them just came out. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how is Guar not on the soundtrack of Empire Records? That is insane. I know. To me. It's so weird. It's so weird. Now, another soundtrack that like in that world, I feel like is the Reality Bite soundtrack, which I don't know if you were familiar with that one, but that was also Reality Bite and and also Singles came out around the same time. Singles was 1992. Reality Bites was 1994. Empire Records. Which one had Lisa Loeb? Lisa Loeb was Reality Bites. And do you know where that song comes up in the movie? Stay? No. Remind me. In the end credit. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? Doesn't even like make a scene. Doesn't even make a scene. She got on the top 100 from that song before she even was signed to a label. She was such a breakout star. And we had Lisa Loeb on the podcast and I was able to ask her about the video and the dress that she wore, which is not surprisingly... I'm blanking on the name of the designer. Oh, Betsy Johnson or something? Betsy Johnson. Thank you, Jonah. (laughs) <laughs> iconic. I blanked on it out of pure excitement. And then, yeah, speaking of exciting, Rachel, I don't know if you're familiar, LA Punk soundtrack to the 1984 movie Repo okay. Man. Do you remember okay. that one? We're in kind of different worlds here. Okay, Jonah. <laughs> you know, it's got no, Black but... Flag on it, you know, Fear. That was a big one. And my first cassette ever was a cocktail soundtrack. Ah. Yes. Now, the cocktail soundtrack... Black Flag is not on the cocktail soundtrack. No Black Flag, but man, (laughs) it is a hit-packed soundtrack. I'm just going to read you... It's a cocktail of hits, for sure. It's a cocktail of hits, for sure. I'm just going to read you some of the songs on there, all of which are huge, huge hits, okay? Tutti Frutti, okay? Might have heard of it. Addicted to Love 
by Robert Palmer. I don't know that he made it for the movie. No, so Tutti Frutti was definitely not made for the <laughs> but, soundtrack no, of Cocktail. But Addicted to Love. Addicted to I don't love think I mean. Addicted to Love was. I, I think that the singles off of the soundtrack were, I think, Kokomo and Don't Worry, Be Happy. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I've heard of both of them because they were both enormous hits. Yes. Both were enormous hits. Don't Worry, sure. Be Happy was such a huge hit. Was that for the Cocktail soundtrack? I believe that's the first place it appeared, but I could also be completely wrong. That's the first place I heard it and I think it was for the soundtrack. <laughs> I feel like that's also like the era that song became popular but I don't know maybe it came out in a right, Bobby McFerrin right. album prior. Remember but- in the video he's like walking around a living room or like an office? Yeah. So I heard this song on the radio recently and got so psyched. <laughs> Like, it's such a good song. It's such a good song. To bring it back to the Songs for Kids Foundation that I yes. have work with. Do you want to explain to people what Songs for Kids yes. is? <laughs> so Songs for Kids is a foundation. We go to children's hospitals and sing songs. It's mostly in Georgia. Okay. And they also have a recording studio. Wow. For kids, you know, who are in hospitals. and God, when I was in the hospital, I would have loved to record some music. I'm yeah. sorry. It's incredible. <laughs> what they do. And I worked with them for about nine years. And then the pandemic hit. We did some um, Zoom sessions and stuff. Oh, how nice. Yeah. And I haven't been able to go back for a couple of years because I had a sinus surgery and I can't really sing right now, breaking news. But yeah, so I've done that. I actually met Josh, the founder of Songs for Kids through Fun, the band Fun. Oh, wow. I was at their show and so was Josh. And we were backstage and we met and you know doing the real LA thing of what do you do no what do you do and he said I run songs for he used to be a music manager but he then pivoted and started songs for kids wow and I had been looking for something to volunteer my time with whether it was a soup kitchen or something and hoping it would be music but also kind of going like yeah what the heck would that be and then as soon as he said what he did I was like it's you oh can I come And I came the next day and I never left for nine years at CSLA. Yeah. And Children's Hospital in Orange County. So, yeah. So nice. That's one of our biggest hits. Don't worry, be happy. (laughs) Don't worry, be be happy. happy. Well, it's a positive song for sure. I love it. It's such a good song. It's an incredible song. And, you know, not quite the same uplifting message, but also a huge hit, Kokomo. (laughs) Classic. I mean. Yeah. And I did a lot of research on this. Like, Kokomo's not a real place. It's a real place, but there's not a place called Kokomo in the actual Florida Keys, which is what they're singing about. It's like a fictional island, I think. Well, you did a report, and I've talked about this, and you don't remember it, but you did a report when you were little, and you had Kokomo playing in the background while you talked. Yeah, I was a big fan of that song. I yeah. also, it's a, I think that was a kind of a weird period for the Beach Boys. Like, I don't know if Brian Wilson was really involved. Right, right. But it was a big hit. Yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting time. But yeah, it's not a real place. Uh, the It's a utopic island off the coast of the Florida Keys. <laughs> it references many actual Caribbean islands like Aruba, Jamaica, Bermuda, Bahamas. Yeah. And, you know, that's basically the whole lyrics of the song. <laughs> Who I want to take you. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. That was a huge song. But yeah, you just buy these soundtracks and it's like you had hit after hit and you didn't have to like buy an album where like, you know, maybe a couple songs you liked and then you're skipping over the rest. Right. I have to say, I didn't get my black flag from soundtracks. I mean, that soundtrack, but I did get it from a uh, skate video soundtrack. Okay. Hey. Well, yeah, skate videos. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> yes, give me a classic. So yeah, 
So Skate Videos also, I mean, incredible soundtracks. That was a great way to kind of discover music during that era, for sure. Do you think that soundtracks to movies are even a thing anymore? Because like, you don't really talk about movie soundtracks in the same way. as You still talk about albums when someone has a new album, but you don't really talk about soundtracks. I feel like kind of the last gasp was the Twilight series. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. You'd get like a new Paramore song or something from Twilight, I feel and like. I- think it was the people who did like the OC soundtrack and, you know, made television soundtracks really popular. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, before we wrap up this topic, I want to talk, Rachel, about related to movie soundtracks, the era of like the music video song from a movie soundtrack, the music video like crossover oh. with like footage oh. from the movie. Like Vanessa was talking about Lucky Denver Mint, like that video where it's like never been kissed and it's like oh, Jimmy, we're right. playing. And then there's just like scenes right. from the movie, just like it's like an ad for the movie sort of, but it's a music video. And then sometimes it can have actors from the movie and like, but yeah, it was like kind of like these like trailers set to songs from the soundtrack, right? It's so weird to think of Jimmy at World as that. Yeah. I actually interviewed Jim recently and we talked about it and like they talked about meeting Drew Barrymore I can't I wish I could remember what he said but also I'm sure so cool at the time like you know totally yeah Yeah. little band that's became came really popular and then gets to do these things like that's cool it's totally cool but yeah it was like kind of like just weird because it's like for the studios must have loved it because it's like basically just like a long trailer free advertising (laughs) yeah yeah I wonder what that... I feel like we asked Amy Mann about the song she had on the Magnolia soundtrack oh, once. That was going to be my next one. Yeah. What was it? Was it one? What was the song that was... It was one. She had a bunch. She had a bunch of them. Iconic. But oh, it yeah. also, that brought me to John Bryan. Well, actually, I had seen... Are you familiar with John Bryan, Vanessa? He also did the score for Punch Drunk Love. Got it. And I Heart Huckabees. He worked with Fiona Apple a bunch. I saw him at the Largo, the old Largo that was on Fairfax. He had, he'd play every week and always bring someone up. And I saw Lisa Loeb there. Wow. I don't know if it was the same show. I saw David Garza, who was also on the Great Expectations soundtrack. Oh my God. It all ties together. Vanessa, these movies Rachel's referencing, they're kind of serious movies. They're not exactly like (laughs) Happy Madison productions. Okay, Jonah. I was just going to say, obviously, sometimes it would be scenes from the movie right. and then the artists, and they would try to make it look like they were in the same space, but they clearly weren't. But one that I used to love that has been completely erased from the internet, okay, was Shy Guy. I don't know if you remember that song, Shy Guy, from it was from a movie with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. I can't remember the name of the movie, but there was a version of the music video where it's like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are kind of like dancing around to like the song and they're like riffing on it and being kind of silly. I tried to find this video a few years ago. This is before the Will Smith slap. Like it, it, this was like apropos of nothing. I don't know why. Okay. But I looked up this video and you cannot find the version that Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are in. And I'm like, at what point were their reps? Like we got to take this version of the, vi- it's impossible to find now. Wait, Who's the artist? The song is Shy Guy, Diana King, and it was from Bad Boys, okay? Vanessa, how much time did you spend trying to find this? Just curious. So much. I'm going to try and find it right now, even though you guys are here. Rachel, I want to ask you about a little band while Vanessa's doing the search. Okay. Sure. I used to see with Limbeck a lot, a little band called Steel Train. Ah, Steel Train. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Do you know what? I didn't meet them until I was... 
asked to record some backing vocals for a, an Australian band called Kiss Chasey. Okay. And they were recording their album Next Door. And they came out and Jack said, are you Rachel Cantu? And I was like, yeah. We had a lot of crossover, but I had never actually seen them. I knew that Limbeck had toured with them a whole bunch. Yeah. But I didn't know what they looked like. And so when they was, they were asked to also sing backing vocals okay. with that band. So we were in the same studio together and that's how we met. And it was amazing. Really nice. Did you spend any time with uh, one of my oldest friends, John Cheese? Gotta love a John Cheese. My former realtor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, when Vanessa moved to New York, John had just started to be a realtor and he has helped Vanessa find an apartment. You gotta love a, a John Cheese. He's, he's oh my an icon. Gosh. Yeah, he's an icon. So true. To wrap up this segment, Jonah, it looks like you made a top five list. Are these the top five soundtracks of all time? No, this is something Olivia found. It's an article on another site found. Name their top five soundtracks. Oh, okay. I thought these were the top five of all time. No, The Ringer listed the top 50. Yeah. We can run through it really quick. We're going number five, Superfly. Number four, Goodfellas. Number three, Pulp Fiction. Number two, The Lion King. Number one, Purple Rain. None of these were on our discussion, so... They weren't in our list. But I will say this. Another, just to go back really quickly to the video music crossover, I feel like a real iconic one was Terminator 2. You Could Be Mine, the Guns N' Roses song. I feel like the crossover ones that were so obviously marketed were MC Hammer... The Adams Family one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do what they want, as I say what they want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that, the Adams Family. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Teenage Yeah, ones. we were talking yeah. about that. Go Ninja, go, go Ninja. Yeah. Then there was one, too, this one you two may not be aware of, but a band Dokken had a video for the song called Dream Warriors, and it was for A Nightmare on Elm Street oh, yes. movie. And, and and they're in the video with, like, Freddy Krueger's in the video, like, kind of chasing them, and they're, like, ripping solos and, like, running around. It's, like, almost like a mini-movie music video for the song. Oh, that's cool. And Dream Warriors, I mean, you know, great. That was the most frightening movie I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. So scary, so scary. Uh, I don't even I remember very, it. I was very... I hope you didn't see it. I saw it way too young, and was scared for the rest I of my life. I <laughs> don't even, I have no recollection of it. Nightmare on Elm Street. It's so good though. Oh, I thought you were talking about Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors is a song. From Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Rachel, so you say three, I'm going to go I with I feel three. like it's three. Because that's remember- one where they fall asleep and he'd like play puppet with their skin. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing a Nightmare on Elm Street. Remember on MTV, MTV movie with Chris Conway would do like a movie. Chris Connolly. Connolly. MTV movie. MTV entertainment section or something that he did. (laughs) And I remember they would show a clip from Nightmare on Elm Street of like this woman running away from Freddy Krueger in the sand or something. And it was so scary to me. And every time that, you know how they would play the same like news MTV news segment, like or MTV entertainment segment, like for the whole week. And I remember every time it would come on, I try and change the station because just seeing a clip from Nightmare on Elm Street was so scary to me. And yeah, it just made me, like, I didn't even like seeing the clip. You should spend some time researching to find some <laughs> old episodes of MTV Entertainment section. <laughs> well. It might be where that, uh, that that Martin Lawrence video is. Wait, there was another thing that I was just... <laughs> by the way, I found the Martin Lawrence Will Smith version of Shy Guy by Diana King. It takes you to this really sketchy website. Like, basically, oh, no. you can't watch it online. I was correct. Are you hacked right now? No, I follow it all the way because I didn't want to go that far. But I really, yeah. Some sketchy stuff out there if you aren't careful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to 
going to take another commerce break and we'll be right back with Rachel Cantu. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Okay, and we're back now. Rachel, we're going to play a game. It's called Yes slash Nostalgia. Yastalgia. Nostalgia. Okay. And we're going to bring up nostalgic products, shows, etc. that are making a comeback. And if you're into them, you can give them a Yastalgia. And if you're not into them, you can give them a nostalgia. Jonah, would you like to start with the first one? Yeah. So I found this first one and it is Lay's is bringing back deep dish pizza chips. <laughs> the packaging says fan favorite. It's a deep dish flavor. It was looks like they made it in the past in 2018. So it's not that old, but it's a collaboration with Giordano's in the past. And now it just says fan favorite. You can buy them at Sam's Club or online. Five bucks a bag. It was inspired by this deep dish pizza from this Chicago place, Giordano's. I have not had these deep dish pizza chips. I feel conflicted about this. I don't know. Uh, Rachel, what are your thoughts on Lay's deep dish pizza chips making a comeback? Are you interested? Not interested? What do you think? Okay. Deep dish wasn't a thing where I grew up. Okay. So it's not familiar. I've never heard of them. But also I think as far as I go with the flavored chips is like a cheddar and sour cream. So that might be a little okay. a little wacky for me. So... I'd say nostalgia. 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 I don't understand how this would be different from any other kind of pizza chip. How is a deep dish pizza chip different from like a thin crust pizza chip? Like, it's not like the chips are super thick or something. Right. Does it say what year this was out? 
Or like, was it like the 90s? 2018. What? Uh, They debuted in 2018. So they were like a limited. So yeah, so this is not like a childhood type chip. But yeah, to me, it's just, it's probably that this Giordano's company, you know, their CEO calls up the CEO at Lay's. They say, okay, we need a marketing thing. We're going to make these like quote unquote deep dish pizzas. They throw their pizza seasoning on it. And to me, it's like, yeah, it's a pizza flavored chip. I can't imagine how it has any deep dish. Deep dish is like a texture. It's like a, so I, to me, this is a nostalgia and not interested. Uh, Vanessa, what are your thoughts? Well, as the only one on here that's probably lived in (laughs) Chicago, home of the deep dish pizza, I've got some thoughts. One is the difference between deep dish pizza and regular pizza that you could put into a chip flavor is that deep dish pizza is a lot more cheese forward. Okay, fair enough. I didn't realize that. Okay. So I, I feel like this chip might be a lot of cheese with a hint of crust. And that sounds good to me. I mean, I am a person who will choose a cheese combo over a pizza combo any day of the week. You know, combos, the chips. Right. Well, they're not really chips. They're really savory snacks. They're pretzels with stuff inside. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're pretzels and sometimes it's more of like a shortbread, uh, a savory shortbread. But the point is, I'm kind of interested. I would give this a yes, nostalgia. And while I have the mic, I just want to say I thought of the thing I was thinking of before, which is this. Doing some research on the Always video by Bon Jovi. (laughs) And apparently that song was written for the movie Romeo is Bleeding. And now that I knew that, if you think about that song Always by Bon Jovi, the first lyric is, Romeo is bleeding, but you can't see his blood. Now, this is very funny, okay? He wrote that song for the movie. By he, I mean Bon Jovi. Then he saw the movie, which was, I guess, a big flop, actually. But even before it was a big flop, he saw the movie and he was like, uh, and no thank you. And he basically took that song out of the running for the Romeo is Bleeding soundtrack. Now, come to a few years later, somebody's like, this is a good song. Like, you should repeat And it might have been Bon Jovi himself. I can't remember. It's only been a day since I did this research. But I- so then he released the song independent of the film Romeo is Bleeding, even though the song starts with the lyrics, Romeo is Bleeding. And guess what? Really huge hit. And also that music video starring, you know, Carla Gugino, Carrie Russell, some guys that were big on MTV and stuff. That was a huge video. So I say that to say, sometimes it's going to be for a soundtrack and it goes the other way. And by it, I mean a song. Okay, let's go to the next one. (laughs) Thank you, Vanessa. I'll read the next one. A Frasier reboot is coming in February. Uh, this article says, get ready for tossed salads and scrambled eggs once more. Frasier is back. Four-time Emmy winner Kelsey Grammer is set to reprise his iconic role of the radio psychotherapist Dr. Frasier Crane for Paramount+. Plus. And a lot of the original cast is going to be in it, too, which I found to be very exciting. Ross? David Hyde Pierce is not doing it. David Hyde Pierce is not doing it? No, but I think other people are. But yeah, I think everybody else is, except for, I think the dad passed away. The dad passed away and David Hyde Pierce is, is, isn't doing it. David Hyde Pierce, not interested. Who played Niles, of course. Who played Niles, of course. Frazier, yeah. Frazier's brother. But the people that are coming back are most of them, it says. <laughs> <laughs> so that includes... I think Jane Leaves as Daphne, Perry Gilpin as Roz, B.B. Newworth as Lilith Crane. So, you, you know, you're getting a lot of classics. A I lot mean, of household not, names. <laughs> not having, not having, I mean, B.B. Newworth, come on. I'm not having David Hyde Pierce. That's tough. That is a tough blow that I did not, I had not 
read the article. It's like, hey, Vanessa, read articles more closely. <laughs> David Hyde Pierce, I always think of him actually from Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. my God. You don't he's, think of him as like a comedic actor, but he's so funny in that movie. He's so funny. So funny. I mean, he is comedic in Frasier. I guess you do think Frasier, of him as a comedic actor, but... But it's dry, right? Exactly. His performance in Wet Hot American Summer, you're right, Jonah, is un. Believable when she's asking if he could do maybe give a little speech at the camp, and he's like, No, and she asks him again, and he's like, No, thank you, and she asks him again, and he's yelled, He's like, I said, No, <laughs> oh, it's truly, yeah, David Hyde Pierce. But anyway, so what do we think? So they're bringing back Frazier, and what do we think, <laughs> Rachel? If David Hyde Pierce is not going to be in it, it makes me think that like there has to be like then some sad story about. But you have to explain why the brother isn't what in it, right? What will be their quote-unquote Samantha story? Yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And that just feels dark. And I liked Frasier. It was definitely a show. You know, I feel like in the eighties and nineties, like we watched every show that wasn't for us, just because it's like what we had. Right. Right. And so I definitely watched it a whole bunch, but I just don't think it's the time for it. Also, I think Kelsey Grammer is like him himself is not a great dude. Right, 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 right. So I'm going to also go no, nostalgia on nostalgia. this. Oh, nostalgia. As much as I that. really liked Frasier. Good luck getting Kelsey Grammer on the podcast now. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to Rachel's point, in the 90s, 80s, 90s, you had to watch what was on. And I feel like me and Vanessa also watched so many shows that were made for people so much older, like like Empty Nest or like, <laughs> yeah. or like Dear John or Golden Girls. Golden Girls, I think, transcended it. But like, but like Empty Nest, it was like kind of about this like, older guy's like relationship with like his middle-aged daughters. And it was like, well, this is what's on TV. I guess we'll watch it. Yeah. And famously, of course, the show Mama's Family, which oh. as a child, I, w- I would I would cry when that scared show came on of, TV. Scared of, Change the channel I was so like, fast. the last thing I loved TV, last thing I wanted to watch was Mama's Family. I would say this is also a nostalgia for me. I, I don't really have any connection to the show. My, my friends do a podcast and they've been doing a segment where they watch episodes of the new version of Quantum Leap. Oh, interesting. And I, I watched a little of it. And yeah, I, I don't know. To me, like this this like fascination with like trying to remake these shows is like, usually it doesn't work. And I, I don't know, to me, like Frasier was fine for what it is, but I feel like Cheers or Frasier, these shows, like you got to just let these shows kind of yeah. be their own thing. They were they were interesting for the time, but I, it's to me, it's just, uh, I don't need it. I, I don't really care. I, I probably won't watch it. Vanessa, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm saying I can't make a decision yet because you just really never know what these reboots are going to be like. For example, I thought they did a really great job with the Will and Grace reboot. And I'm not just saying that because I was in five episodes, but (laughs) I think they really like made it funny and they really like, I think Will and Grace and Frasier were similarly, even though they were particularly Frasier, maybe not, maybe it was meant for people a little older than us at the time. I still think Frasier was a really funny show, but you know, there've been other shows that they've brought back. The, The first one that comes to mind, even though I didn't watch much of it, is the Full House reboot, Fuller House, where it was like, right. they were really just kind of, it seems like, and again, I maybe I need to watch more if people disagree with me, but it seemed like they were just kind of capitalizing on the original and getting the cast back and they didn't try to do anything. I don't know. It, it kind of lost a lot of its charm. Although we weirdly were in a house that we did not watch very much Full House. Oddly, for being the exact right age for it, we didn't watch that much of it. So I guess what I'm saying is I've, I've really gone on a tangent, but my point is that I think I need to wait and see if it's a yes-stalgia or a nostalgia. So for now, I'm going to actually call it a yes-stalgia because... 
If they can bring back the really funny writing, even without David Hyde Pierce, who maybe will make some cameos on it, I am interested. I'm going to say this right now. Vanessa watches more TV than anyone I know. I bet you she never watches a show. I bet you, know, you are never, I'm never going to be like, what are you up to? Like, I'm actually watching the Frasier reboot. Okay, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening, but okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. Okay. Jonah, do you want to read this last one? So last one, McDonald's is bringing back the peppermint mocha coffee drink. It's made with espresso, steamed milk, peppermint chocolate syrup, whipped cream, and even more syrup to top it off. <laughs> you can get this hotter ice. This is a festive drink that they started in the past. They didn't have it in 2019. They brought it back in 2020. I guess it's it came back this year. You know, it's 2 to $3. I guess it's competing with a, a peppermint mocha latte at Starbucks, which is $6. And I don't know how much sugar is in this, but I'm guessing a lot. McDonald's also re-released the iconic holiday pie. So they got all kinds of holiday sweets going on. Rachel, what do you think about the peppermint mocha from McDonald's? Are you going to be hitting one up right after this podcast? You know what? I'd rather eat my calories. Whoa. Yes, same. Fair. (laughs) I'm not a big, um, fancy, big old drink uh, especially coffee drinks. I started drinking coffee because of Dunkin' Donuts when I moved to Boston when I was like 21 because it does taste like a milkshake. And then I realized what was in it and just started drinking black coffee. So yeah, that goes a little too far for me. I've also worked at Starbucks and still never got like addicted to any of that stuff. It's just not my thing. I don't know why. I get it. It's I'm sure it's delicious. What was your thing when you worked there? What would you drink? Coffee. (laughs) Like a pike roast? Like a Pike place? Yeah, just like give me some black coffee so I can get through the morning, the four o'clock morning. <laughs> so this is a nostalgia for you. You're not really Yeah, I'm gonna go nostalgia. Also with the pie. It's like a dessert pie. Yeah. And also just to say if you're not a coffee person, they also some of the locations will offer a peppermint hot chocolate which is a combination of steamed milk and peppermint chocolate syrup topped with whipped cream and a sweet drizzle of more peppermint chocolate syrup. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's funny because this article that you found, Jonah, that talks about better late than never, McDonald's finally brings back its festive coffee drink is the name of the article. It also links to an article about like nutritionists say, do not order these things. um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) And don't you think the article should be called better latte than never? Don't you think that would have been such a better better latte than never? Punch it up. (laughs) These drinks, I'm like, I understand that they're trying to compete with other chains that are doing drinks like this. Like, for example, this sounds so disgusting to me. This article says Starbucks and Dunkin' re-release fan favorites like the chestnut praline mocha and the toasted white mocha, which I'm like, who is drinking? I I, I just think <laughs> I agree with you, Rachel. I'd rather eat my calories. I'd rather have a piece <laughs> of praline pie or something than like drink a drink that's all. But it's like, I don't know. I guess they have to compete. I get it. And people love holiday drinks. But this seems so sweet. Yeah. It seems like it has so much syrup. I'm surprised this is a favorite, but also I'm not trying to be judgmental because some people would rather drink their calories and eat them. I want to support those people. Absolutely. However, just given the sheer amount of sugar in this drink, I think I have to call it a nostalgia. I wish they had a version that was like a little lighter on its feet. I'll say. Yeah. Jonah, what about you? Well, you know, I, as you might expect, I have a lot of feelings about this. Based on like the CEOs who are making this happen, et cetera. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. But yeah, I kind of agree with with both of you. You know, our local Dunkin' Donuts, they have like these kind of promotions. And so last year they had a promotion where you could get like a flavored latte. It was like a lot cheaper. It was like some kind of deal on like this special. So I got one. I was like, well, I can, I was getting an oat milk latte. I was like, well, I can pay five bucks or I can get this like special one. And it was like almost undrinkable. Like whatever kind of like artificial, like sweet thing they put in was so gross. And I figured out later that I could kind of hack the system by like asking for just like one pump of the That's what I was going to suggest. And that still counts as the drink. But I feel like even one pump, it's like you just get this weird like chemical aftertaste. Yes. I'm kind of like a little bit snobby when it comes to coffee. I like coffee to taste like actual coffee i mean if, if you're in a pinch and you need a coffee and you're mcdonald's okay but yeah i don't cappuccinos wasn't that your first uh oh yes first my cappuccino. Yeah, little yeah and that was out of a vending machine and it was pretty good but also pretty sweet which is why i liked it because i was like probably like 15 <laughs> but yeah i can't get behind a peppermint thing from mcdonald's i mean i like the taste of peppermint like if it was like real peppermint oil you know or something but to me it's probably just tastes so artificial and sweet yeah i would steer clear of that yep sorry to, to mcdonald's bottom line and their corporate profits, okay. but nope. <laughs> Not for you. Well, Rachel, I guess we've all decided that this is a nostalgia This is a nostalgia. Yes, nostalgia. So Rachel, we normally don't get three nostalgias. You're three for three with Yikes. the nostalgia. I mean, I'm with you. I think Vanessa just had a little sympathy for Fraser, but like I said, I'm not totally sure I'm buying and it. And bored. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Was I just a real bummer? No, it's good. No, no, no. Okay. I think we kind of, I think Whew. we gave you some sort of tough stuff to work with, to be honest. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to have opinions about this stuff. You know, I mean, Jonah certainly has really strong opinions about anything that's made by corporate America. So we were kind of... Yeah. And can we just read, actually, someone reviewed our podcast yesterday and they left this incredible comment. And I just wanted to give a a quick shout out. Left a review on Apple and it says, CEO takedown, slowly but surely, Jonah is going to save America's biggest businesses from themselves. Wow. Yeah. Really? Slowly but surely, we're doing it. And another piece today, and Rachel, you helped us do it. So thank you. Yeah. Taking, again, I just want to say to anyone listening who isn't a corporation, I'm always down for doing commercials. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Rachel, where can people find you? I'd say mostly on Instagram these days at Rachel Cantu, but it's R A C H A E L C A N T U. Otherwise, I think you'll find a a YouTube uh, beauty makeup tutorial lady the other rachel can too yeah instagram it's kind of it what's going on with your music and it got any any shows jams what's going on yes i'm actually in the midst of writing a musical wow yeah based on a moment in my life and i'm loving it so hopefully that'll be on its feet in the next couple years or so these things take forever they take a long time (laughs) they take a long time but i'm having a blast doing it and i can't wait to share it can't wait to see it amazing yeah can't wait to see it either well thank you so much Rachel for being here Um, thanks so much uh, to everyone for listening if you enjoyed that please subscribe to the podcast keep an eye out for next week's episode of how did we get weird we'll discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like soundtracks to movies thank you so much Rachel a long time coming yes thank you so much Rachel BBC Radio 4 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.